0: Quarterly report. This is your host, Lee. yo what is going on everybody I am your host Armand Lee welcoming you all to a brand new episode of the quarterly report podcast specifically episode 124 thank you so much for joining me this week slim so much to discuss so much to jam into about an hour to an hour and a half of content. We're going to break down Lamar Jackson. Slim, I i don't even have any more adjectives to describe the young brother. Just wow. <laughs> That's all I can say about them. Baltimore, you got another one. Wow. Okay. That's how I'm wrapping up Lamar Jackson. Plus, we're going to break down how everybody in the NFL and almost everyone who covers the NFL lost their damn minds this past Thursday over a a foolish incident by Miles Garrett instigated by Mason Rudolph. You're going to hear my thoughts on not the play itself, because I think we all can agree Miles Garrett was stupid for that. But the reaction just left a bad taste in my mouth as a fan. We're going to get to that and so much more, including stoppage time. Your guys' questions coming up later in the show. But first, our number one topic this week. First quarter. When you hear the words load management, what is the first thing that comes to mind? For t- because this is a growing, I guess, topic of conversation as it pertains to the NBA in recent years. And now it's become a thing all in of itself, Right? Low management in my eyes. When I first hear, I think, necessary evil. Now, that's not to say that I appreciate or I enjoy when star players just take random games off, or random, at least in our eyes, games off throughout the season. I don't enjoy it, you know? I want to see Kawhi play in the biggest games versus Giannis. My cousin and I, we talked about this this weekend. We are like, yo, man, I wanted to see him up there. But ultimately... This is a game in November. And though I understand, you know, all of the talking points, oh, Timmy, Timmy and his father wanted to, they only have one opportunity to see Kawhi Leonard play, and Timmy couldn't see him because Kawhi took the night off. And that sucks. I'm sorry for Timmy. But, dog, that's life. (laughs) You feel me? Like, better Timmy learn now. Bro, in the words of the great Mick Jagger, Dog, you can't always get what you want. You feel me? But damn it, if Timmy tries hard enough, guess what? You'll be able to see Kawhi. When you grow up, if, depending on how old you are, you know, when you get some money, Timmy, and you really want to see one of the games' best player, it won't be Kawhi. And this is obvious, you know, um example. You work your ass off, bro, you try sometimes, you get what you need. You understand what I'm saying? So there are a whole bunch of children who can't see their favorite NBA player for other reasons besides load management. So I ain't really feeling too hard for Timmy not being able to check out Kawhi. Dog, if you live in Milwaukee, guess what? You get to see Giannis. You'll be okay. You feel me? But this is not a social economic discussion that I'm going to talk about in this first quarter. But the idea that load management is a necessary evil. There have been plenty of articles, plenty of podcasts and smart people on interviews or other platforms telling you, look, Kawhi had a quadricep injury in San Antonio. The doctors could not figure out why and they, they were trying to push him back on the floor. Compare that to last year in Toronto, they were very careful with this, with this quad and obviously You know, they were trying to convince him to stay. However, the proof is in the pudding. You saw what Kawhi did throughout the season, particularly late in the regular season and in the postseason. I think, you know, he deserves the benefit of the doubt. It's not like he's loafing. You know what I'm saying? We know he has a, a leg injury, a leg injury that has been hard to diagnose. And we saw with our own eyes what resting was able to do for him. We always look at things in life. Have you noticed how we look at things in life as a manner of endurance? the can you endure? Can you fight through? Can you gut it out? Can you grind something out? Why does everything have to be just, just persevere? Why can't you enjoy? <laughs> you understand? Why can't Kawhi Leonard? Why does it? Why do we have to question a person's toughness because of the level of endurance he has showed us? Why can't he be happy? Why can't he treat himself the way he feels he needs to be treated? Like We do this whole weird thing, man, in so many aspects of our life where it's this is the way it's always been done. So we have to continue to do it. Do you know how sick I am of hearing people talking heads, people who... Generally speaking, I enjoy listening to say, oh my gosh, the Detroit Pistons never took a night off. Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, these guys never took a night off. They never cheated the game. Bro, that shit was like 30 some odd years ago. (laughs) What the fuck are y'all talking about? You know how much everything in life has changed multiple times over in three-plus decades, yet we want our NBA athletes to to keep on having a 1980-some-odd, you understand, this this viewpoint, 1990, 1988 perspective on things? Ask yourself, do me this favor. For those of you who've ever uttered, oh, the Detroit Pistons, right? If you've ever done that, ask yourself this question. Before you ask this question, ask your parents. Maybe your grandparents, this question. Did you ever, did your job ever offer mental health days? How many, did, did you ever have paid time off? Like like not vacation days, but like paid time off. If you did, how many, how many paid time off days did you have when you were working? And then compare that to your job, your place of employment now. Because if you're on the whole, the Pistons did it, Michael Jordan did it, Kawhi Leonard should do it. Okay, let's expand upon that. If your pops or your grandfather, grandmother, your mom only had seven days off a whole year, never had a mental health day, could not combine their sick days with their vacation days like PTO, like many places can now. All right, Slim, you do it. Right? Because that's basically what we're talking about. You play, like, yes, it has been done. Yes, we know that in the past, 30, 35, 40 years ago, people did not have as many off days as we have now. And yes, it is actually possible to go a whole year with only five to seven days available to take off. We also know, that you are far more productive when you are rested and that these mental health days or PTO days or whatever you call it, whatever your job calls them they are beneficial they we if you look at your the european model we still haven't reached that level of days off they get a ton more days off than we do but the idea is you are a more productive efficient you're just an overall better worker when your mind is at ease when you are rested when you are completely, fully recharged. We know that science has taught us this. And the fact that these billion-dollar corporations have now moved off that in the past three-plus decades, you know they've done the study as well. But I'm not hearing anybody say, hey, back in the day, your pops, he used to work when he was did this, that, and the third. We would never, like, you would never use that as, a, as a, a reference point of like, yo, I need to give all these days back. You ain't doing that. So why would we look at athletes who are literally running up and down a floor, jumping, pushing, shoving, fighting for position, all types of stuff. Oftentimes on back to back nights. Why are we like, yo. Slim, do what you do. What your pops did. 30 some odd years like that. That's so foolish to me. I don't understand the logic at all. You know, it's it's always easy to tell somebody else how to spend their money. It's always easy to give other people advice. But once you turn that joint and flip it and put that mirror on your ass, dog, it gets real hard, doesn't it? I can't stand that joint, bro. We would never ask ourselves to do the things that our parents or grandparents did 30 to 40 years earlier. But we quick to do that joint for other bouts. We super quick to do that joint. And here's another thing about it that I really can't stand about this whole load management, this argument against load management. Y'all keep on throwing out the Detroit Pistons or the New York Knicks, the early 90s New York Knicks or the Celtics. Oh, the Pistons, they always played. Larry Bird always played. Michael Jordan always played. Michael Jordan took a whole fucking year and a half off, bro. <laughs> hey, and look, this is not me hating on MJ because MJ he he's different. He's different. But would you would it be better if we just told you know Kawhi or all these other guys, hey, bro, just just go away, play baseball. You feel me? Larry Bird, I love Larry Bird. Larry Bird had to quit so early in his career. All of these numbers that LeBron is like breaking all these records, all these these, uh, statistics that he's just climbing up the ladder. If Larry Bird had any type of prolonged career, he'd be much higher on all of these lists. Have you seen Larry Bird try to walk down an aisle? Isaiah Thomas had to retire, I think, at thirty. <laughs> hey, what? And hey, what are you talking about? You feel me? Isaiah Thomas, for such a small man, he walks like he's like a lumberjack, bro. He lumbers because of the way he played, and he didn't take care of his body. Everything is not a a a, a fight for endurance. You know, understand what I'm saying? Like, yo, if your body is not well, and you literally make a living using your body, why wouldn't you in November? We're not talking about the playoff. Dog, we talking about November. Why wouldn't you rest? The whole, dog, we all know that the league, the season is too long. They're not moving the season back. In fact, on I think my second or third episode of this podcast, I gave you guys my exact way of changing that. Of shortening the season by making everybody else still happy. Not che- not taking money away from owners and all this other stuff. But the NBA ain't listen. You know, they doing their own thing. So because of that, the players also have to do their own thing. The season is 20 games too long. At least. At least. You're not seeing Kawhi, LeBron, Giannis. You're not seeing any of the top stars taking 20 games off. You know, they may take 10 at the most, 11, 12. 82 games, bro. And then when the playoffs start, everybody's ready, geared up, and you get the best basketball from the best basketball players who are fully healthy and ready to go. Isn't that what we all should want? So easy to complain. Oh man, go back to the way it used to be Nah, but you don't want it to go back that far. The idea that we should do things just because it's always been the way it's been done is literally the dumbest argument reasoning that you could possess just because this is the way it was done. It's not a legit reason. It's just laziness. There have been articles again, interviews that are readily available that discuss yo back in the 80s and early 90s players were not running as fast the game was slower right you would walk the ball up the floor dump it into the post and then back 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 now you have this free flowing play you have to guard 30 plus sometimes more feet away from the basket there's more movement there's more backdoor there are more screens there's more fluid basketball and it's faster. So yes, the games, the same number of games, the court's the same size, but you got to guard more of it now, and you have to be faster at guarding it. So the idea, like, yo, Isaiah didn't take days off. Well, Isaiah didn't play long, and he didn't have to play like this. And number one, y'all, Bama's hated the Detroit Pistons. Y'all hated the way they played. So look, look at the foundation of the argument. Number 1, the science says our athletes today, they're playing they're playing more of the court at a faster pace, having to cover more of it and having to do it I don't want to say harder, right? But you're doing it against much tougher competition in terms of the depth of the league, right? The worst player in today's game is better than the worst player of the game back in the 80s. There is no argument there. Okay. I don't think so. So the science says. Yo these guys are having to play more. Play more of the court. And play it at a faster pace. From a stylistic standpoint. Y'all Bama's hated the Detroit Pistons. That's where the whole Detroit versus everybody comes from. They were called the bad boys. Because people hated them. I'm a Nick fan. I know full well. Y'all hated the early 90s, mid-90s Knicks and Heat. Because every time I wanted to watch my Knicks, I heard about how ugly the game was. Y'all love the Phoenix Suns and the Supersonics and the Denver Nuggets, right? That's what y'all, and and obviously the Chicago Bulls. Y'all ain't want to watch the Knicks. (laughs) Shit. Y'all want to watch the Knicks now. And I don't blame you now, but back then, yo, we was dope. So the science says, yo, it makes sense to take more days off. Stylistically, y'all don't want us to play. You keep on using the Pistons as an example, but you hated the Pistons. You hated the. If a team played like the Pistons did now, y'all would be crucifying them. And then, on top of those two, we all know the season is too long. And common sense tells us as a fourth and final point that just doing something because that's the way it was done 35 plus years ago is a foolish argument and an argument that you would not apply in your life at your place of employment. So what the fuck are we talking about, bro? Does it suck for a viewer? Bro, I really was looking forward to seeing this game because this guy is going up against this other guy. And today he's not playing. Yeah, It it blows. However, I'd much rather see Giannis versus Kawhi as a potential finals game as opposed to one meaningless game in the early first week of November, for sure. And if this means that I get more Kawhi Leonard at his top physical peak for a longer span of time, like I wish I could have seen Larry Bird more, Isaiah Thomas more at their peak, I wish that they didn't have to retire so early because of injuries. If I have to substitute 12 games throughout an 82-game season, which I acknowledge is 20 games too long, bro, I'll do it if I get to see Gian- If I get to see Giannis and Kawhi have a career similar to LeBron James, I will make that sacrifice. And I think we all would. Even little punk ass Timmy. <laughs> you feel me? Yo, man, we just got to chill. We have to chill. Because I just gave you four plus talking points. Four bullet points. Arguing in favor. Despite the fact that I don't like seeing the best players in the moment. I wanted to see Giannis versus Kawhi. As I'm sure you did too. We all did. So, yes. Low management. It affects me as a selfish viewer who wants to be entertained. But I can look beyond my impulse. I can look beyond my own individual selfish reasons in one moment to look and understand, yo, this is for the greater good. I can do it. That means you can do it. Which means everybody who's running their mouth, talking about why back in the day is the way it should be, do. Should be done. Your ass can do it too, bro. I don't want to hear more about the Pistons. Stop it. Stop it. Because the people who keep on signing the Detroit Pistons, unless they're from Detroit, guess what? They hated the Detroit Pistons. And Isaiah Thomas, and look, it's not just Isaiah. Look at the Pistons, the bad boy Pistons. With the exception of Joe Dumars, them Bammers are barely hanging on. Like they laboring, lumbering. Why would any young player, if you keep on citing them as the way you should play basketball? Yo, they never took days off. Why would I look at them and be like, yo, okay, that's what I want to be like. Man, stop it. Let me hear your guys' thoughts. I want to hear your take. After hearing my argument, don't just throw out because. Don't just throw out because they saw. Give me some reasoning. Explain it. Take some time out. Lay out your argument, man. Let's do this because I know some of you guys disagree with me. I want to hear, but man, lay it out in an intelligent way. I want to hear. I want to know the way you guys think. Hit me up. I'm on Twitter at Quarterly Show. Email me at QuarterlyReport at gmail.com. We are going to hear from some of your guys' takes later on at halftime slash stoppage time this week because some of you guys are talking about sandwiches. Some of you guys are talking about me. It's dope. I really enjoy seeing and hearing from you. So we're going to get back into stoppage time coming up at halftime this week. But before that, we have the second quarter where we're going to leave basketball for a moment and look at an interesting MVP race that is bigger than just this season. and It is bigger than Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson. Gonna we'll tackle that next. My second topic. This. Second quarter. At the start of the show, I said I personally will never compare an NFL player to Michael Vick. For those of you who who have not listened to the show for much, if this is your first time listening. First off, thank you for checking me out. We got 123 other episodes to listen to for you to finally get to the point where you can realize too that this is the best sports podcast in America. But it took you a little bit longer than it took me. So, you know, it's all good. We are welcoming. We are a welcoming community here at the Quarterly Report Podcast. But I digress. If you listen to this show or if you know me at all, you know that Michael Vick is among my is one of my favorite athletes of all time. I was in high school loving Michael Vick and Blacksburg. When Michael Vick hit the Willie Beeman, did the flip into the end zone, you couldn't tell me anything. Michael Vick is one of the, the most... You know, you, you hear the word electrifying, magnetic. You hear those words often when describing athletes, man. But Mike was something different, man. I remember seeing Mike do all of these amazing things. And I was like, yo, he's he's on another level. Not to say that he was the best quarterback, but when it, just in terms of entertaining and fun, there was no player that I can remember. And again, I'm biased. I'm a Virginia boy. Mike is too. But just off rip. I can't think of a player who was that exciting, who could do it in the ways that Mike could do it, throwing and running. So when people started saying Lamar Jackson is the next Michael Vick late last season and definitely during the preseason this year, naturally, I just kind of fought that. I was like, nah, bro, chill. Chill. This is Lamar Jackson's second season. You know, whatever. I'm not rocking. I still will never compare Lamar Jackson to Michael Vick, but I see where y'all coming from. (laughs) When this man hit the spin move versus the Bengals on Sunday, bro, I was like, all right, he different too. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? However you want to classify different, go ahead. But I acknowledge the difference. I acknowledge that he is among the players who just, who are electric, who who are just magnetic. When they are playing, you have to watch and not, In the same way that Patrick Mahomes is, right? Patrick, he's amazing. He's amazing. Patrick Mahomes is a... I wouldn't even compare him to Michael Vick because Mahomes is a better quarterback than Michael Vick thus far throughout his career. But it's different. When I talk about Mike and him being unique, I'm talking about, like, the whole Michael Vick experience, that whole thing that they were doing, man. It was just... It was something. And I I always look back and think, man... If Atlanta would have realized how how unique a talent, similar to the way Baltimore has utilized Lamar. Give all the credit in the world. And I'm not taking anything away from Lamar because Lamar deserves all of the acclaim he is receiving. He's talented. He's getting better. You know, he's using the criticism that came his way early on before he was even a professional as motivation, but he's not... It doesn't seem like he has this huge chip on his shoulder. You know what I mean? It's like he's using it as motivation, but he's not this, like, negative. He's not negative with it. You understand? He's using it as positive motivation, similar to, like, Deshaun Watson. And then you have Baker, who uses all of the criticism, but it looks like he's, like, using that negativity as fuel, and it's, like, coming through in other avenues when it comes to Baker. But But, but the point is... It's not a coincidence that Lamar, who deserves the credit, is playing in an organization as smart and as savvy as the Baltimore Ravens. I wish Mike would have been drafted to a, a organization who had that same level of competence. Because you remember Dan Reeves was there, and then they went to Jim Moore, and then that's when things started to go and fly by the wayside. They gave peerless Price. I know a lot of you guys are too young to even remember some of this stuff but they gave peerless price a a huge contract though despite the fact that peerless was a a two at best probably a three and Mike then you know he started to believe his own press clippings and he didn't study it he admittedly said this and then things obviously went all the way left with the dog fighting but my point is Lamar has been able to flourish because he went to an organization that truly believed in. And the unique set of skills that he has that Mike had. I think Lamar actually has the chance to go further and I hope he does. And I'm not a Ravens fan, you know, but I hope he can fully, you know, tap into all of the special abilities that the Lord has given him because, yo, watching Lamar play, this is year two. It is amazing. And the only feeling I've ever had looking at a quarterback play like this comes from Mike. Just different. But Lamar Jackson and his play and his success is bigger than just Baltimore. I talked about Deshaun earlier. Deshaun Watson's play is bigger than just Houston. When you look at the best quarterbacks in this league, a league that I've had a colleague of mine, a good buddy of mine, Brian Mitchell on last year, he talked about this. B. Mitch played quarterback in college. Wasn't allowed. They told him not to when he came out for the draft. Nah, you can't play. Be a runner back. Warren Moon famously went to Canada because they wanted him to change position. He went to Canada, had to show everybody, yo. Shout out to him for being, I don't want to, some people would probably say stubborn, but I think dedicated and believing enough in himself and his, his skills to be like, yo, I can play this position whether you guys want to let me or not. He's a Hall of Fame quarterback now. We have moved so far from being, From seeing athletic black quarterbacks being told, yo, you have to play something else. To now, Lamar being told, you're not a quarterback, you're a running back. This was like a year and a half ago. To now, he is spot on among the two or three leaders for the MVP race. And when you look at the MVP race right now, bro, I ain't going to lie. It puts a spot. I don't know who's going to win, man, but I'm proud. Because when you look at the MVP contenders right now, with the exception of Aaron Rodgers and Christian McCaffrey, look at what you see. Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson. Black quarterbacks, man. Last year, Patrick Mahomes won it. It's just, a it's amazing. It truly is amazing. Hell, just to touch back onto our previous topic, imagine if people still used that, hey, this is the way it's always been done. Lamar, sorry, buddy. You can't play quarterback. Imagine if John Harbaugh still had the mentality at all the coaches back in the 80s and 90s had. And look, this is not to say, oh, look how far we've come. Because Bill Polian, another Hall of Famer, respected front office guy, management, who now works for the XFL, who really hasn't had to catch hell because people are like, you know, they, they don't want to use it now, right? He got his ass on national television saying Lamar Jackson is not a quarterback. He needs to play another position. This man, respected in the field of analyzing and evaluating draft prospects, said that Lamar Jackson is not a quarterback. And a year and a half later, right, through week 10, Lamar Jackson has just as good of a shot as anyone else at winning the MVP. You couldn't make this stuff up. It's insane to even think about. You feel me? It's insane to even consider that this player wouldn't even be given a shot for a lot of different teams to play this position. And then when you look at some of the quarterbacks who get opportunity after opportunity, despite the fact that we know they aren't good, it's nuts. The whole game is nasty, man. But thanks to... Lamar and other players like him, some of them I just named. Man, think of what the next generation is, right? We couldn't have gotten to this point if it weren't for players like Randall Cunningham, Michael Vick, Dante Culpepper, Warren Moon, God bless the dead, Steve McNair. They and those guys didn't have the success that some of these other guys have had now, but that's kind of the process, right? you got to lay down the foundation for that next group behind you to sturdy it up and then after a while you have a beautiful building you have a beautiful piece of completed work that's what this nfl game is right now man because if not for those players that came through in the 90s we wouldn't be getting the lamars and the russells and the 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 mahomes maybe we would still have them but they wouldn't be afforded the opportunity that they have been given now and when you get your opportunity man you look at the sean watson's Carrying a team. Oh, my God. Imagine if he got drafted to Chicago. Seriously. Deshaun Watson would have went to Chicago. We'd be talking about a dynasty. But they went with Mitch Trubisky. And I'm not even knocking Mitch because, hell, Mitch is athletic. But they try to keep him away from doing the things that makes him special. It's weird how things have come full circle. Right, Lamar Jackson was drafted to a team that's like who just realized, yo, you have a special, unique skill, taking the special skills, unique and special skill set. Right? Baltimore embraced it, whereas Buffalo still trying to make Josh Allen, hey man, you're a pocket passer. Nah, let him run. Chicago still trying to make Mitch Trubisky a pocket. Nah, let him run. Doesn't matter your race, doesn't matter your position, doesn't matter. The best teams in this league can identify special talent. And when they're special, truly, truly special, especially at a position like quarterback, the smart teams check the ego at the door and then think to themselves, okay, how can we develop a, a, a system around your individual unique skills that will make us unstoppable? The Ravens figured it out. The Ravens have figured it out. And now, for us as fans, no matter who your favorite team is, sit back, buckle up, and enjoy the show. The same way we all strapped into the Michael Vick experience back in the 90s, dog, let's do the same thing again, this time up 95 in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson. I want to hear what you guys have to think about Lamar, the Ravens, or this new crop of quarterbacks, man, who seemingly have taken the NFL by storm. Email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. Tweet at me, quarterlyshow on Twitter. All right, guys, so you heard the horn, and before we get to halftime this week, we have truly my favorite segment of the show. It's called Stoppage Time. It's a little time before halftime where... I give you all the opportunity to ask me questions about anything. You can argue with some of my points or topics that I may have had in previous weeks. You can ask me about a topic that I may not have even addressed. Music, movies, it doesn't matter. This week, man, we've got some fun stuff because, you know, I really haven't talked about two of these topics. And then, you know, things that are interesting, definitely things that have made news in our world today. So without further ado, we're going to get to our first viewer question. This comes via Twitter. This is from shell bell. Uh, I'm assuming this is a woman. Um, the, the avatar was kind of just <laughs> a nondescript redskin logo. So I'm assuming this is shell bell Shelly. Uh, but if you're a man, my bad, bro. Uh, but the question is, what do I think about the Popeye's chicken craze? Dog. I have purposely not talked about this topic because it is nuts. It truly is. It's nuts. What's going on? Um, you know, I have had the chicken sandwich one time. Um, My sister got it for me. This is after it went on a break. First off, Slim, they literally stopped making the sandwich for about a month and a half to two months. If that doesn't ring the alarm for everybody, it's not chicken. I don't know what it is. How you run out of chicken? You feel me? Wendy's has never ran out of their chicken sandwich. Chick-fil-A only sells chicken. <laughs> and Popeye's only sells chicken. And then after they start, after they're released, they just run out for two months. That should raise a red flag to everybody. Bro, I don't know what is wrong with y'all. I'm watching the news, I'm, I'm doing my job. Seeing some of these stories, and I'm just thinking to myself, how how are we here? You know, it's cool to get off jokes, man, but a person has lost their life. There have been assaults. There's t- just nastiness all around over a sandwich. And let's keep it funky, man. The sandwich was not like that. It's fine. You understand what I'm saying? I can think of 250 things randomly off the top of my head that I'd rather eat than a Popeye's chicken sandwich. So how is it that y'all losing y'all damn minds over this? You feel me? Thanksgiving is right around the corner, and this is the food that y'all losing your minds for? I don't even know what to say. It's, you know, I'm not trying to. You know, we could be better than this, and I like this. It's just like I don't even know what else to say. If you like it, I'm not gonna yuck anybody's yums. If you like it, I love it. To me. I'm rocking with Wendy's chicken sandwich all day over that. What I, you know, the, the chicken sandwich that I had from Popeye's. I don't intend on having another one. It was not life shattering earth. It just wasn't. It was a sandwich. And the fact that, you know, for like a, for multiple weeks in a row, there've been all types of violent incidents that have happened at a Popeye's restaurant, fast food chain. It's just I don't even know what to say. I'm truly at a loss for words, but like we can all be better. All of us. You understand what I'm saying? So that's really my biggest takeaway on the Popeye's chicken craze. Bell, thank you for your question. Next up, this is an email from longtime listener, Curtis from Waldorf. Curtis, shout out to you, brother. Thanks again. But thanks, number one, for listening to the show. Um, and thanks for another question. Curtis, you are asking me what are my feelings about the entire Colin Kaepernick NFL situation that happened in Atlanta this weekend. You know, Curtis, you listened to the show for a while now. You've, you've definitely asked questions before and I appreciate you. I don't have anything else to say about Colin Kaepernick in the NFL or Jay-Z like not on this show. I'm not going to use my, my time. I don't even want to say platform because you know, I look at this as family. Like if you write, if you listening to my podcast now, you know, just intimate circle of people, man. And I, and I truly consider you guys family. I love and appreciate all of you all. I've talked enough. You know, you follow me on Twitter. You know my thoughts. I've said it in previous episodes. The NFL doesn't want Colin Kaepernick to play in their league. I'm, it's clear. And at this point, I don't think Colin Kaepernick, he clearly doesn't trust the league. And he doesn't seem like he is down for capitulating and Uh, following the orders of said leak, which is cool, right? But becomes problematic if you are going to be a part of any company. If you're not going to listen to whomever's running the business, whether right or wrong. And again, y'all know how I feel with Cap. You know, he was absolutely right. I'm proud of him. The words can express, you know, the positive um, feelings I have towards Colin Kaepernick about literally sacrificing his livelihood for a position that he felt strongly about. Bong. All of the work that he has done in the community since then, bong, proud of him. And because he has succeeded outside of the realm of the NFL, where everybody doubted him, everybody questioned his intellect, how committed he was, all this other stuff, passed every test with flying colors, okay? No matter how you feel about Cap cannot question what that man has put in it's one of the reasons why i came down so hard on jay-z because he was so dismissive when it seemed like he clearly did no research into the actual works that cap has done okay but because cap made it on his own on his own too and is profiting from this let's not leave that out right he's doing well without the nfl He's on a point now, he's like, dog, I'm not listening to y'all. Number one, I can't trust you, which he's 100% correct. And number two, why why am I listening to you guys? Y'all got me in this position in the first place. And he's right. But that's not going to help him get himself back into the league. The whole thing was nasty. I don't like how Jay's carrying it. I never never like, I never trusted the league, number one. Why are you on a short notice letting it known to the public that there is going to be a workout? Why does that need to be public information, number one? Number two, you made it public information. Why are you now mad at this man for wanting media to have full access? It doesn't make sense. And three, how serious can anybody take this if you're putting it on a Saturday afternoon Literally hours before Sunday slates of NFL games. It's just as nasty all around. It's so funny what is happening, right? Because now attention spans are so short. Years ago, Cap practiced and worked out for the Seahawks. And Pete Carroll said he should be a starter then. I don't think another team has offered him a workout. So he should not need this college pro day style. Teams have his number. The whole thing is nasty. I'm I don't even really want to even talk about it anymore for real. You know what I'm saying? Because what's new? What's left? What's 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 the change? Right? The NFL is foolish. I I can only speak for myself. I had moved on. Last two years I felt a way about the NFL. I didn't watch football like I like I once did. I literally did not watch the NFL two years ago and only watched a little bit of it last year. This year, I was back in. I missed it. We all missed it. We can't fake. Like, dog, we this is we love the NFL's product. And we're going to talk about the NFL later on in the show again. But then they go out of their way to bring Cap back into the discussion. And it's like ripping a Band-Aid off. Like, why are you doing it? You had already moved on. And it, I don't know if it's arrogance or if it's just a complete lack of awareness you understand what i'm saying but i felt conflicted watching football i didn't even watch football this weekend i looked at it a little bit i watched the i look obviously looked at the ravens texas game we talked about that earlier in the show um but that was it and that wasn't because of football that was because of, of something bigger you know what i mean um so yeah the whole situation is nasty i'm not a fan i'm not a fan but curtis i'm a fan of you brother man thank you for continuing to listen to the show one last email. This is from Sandra from Southside Richmond, Virginia. Sandra, what's happening, baby? You understand? Richmond in the house, 804. What's happening? And she asked me, and I'm, 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 I like this question the most, why I saved it for last. What do I think about Tory Lane's Chicks Tape 5 project? I love talking music. You know, I don't really get a chance to, to put it in the show as much as. You know, I probably should do a better job. I'm acting like I can't control which topics I talk about on my own podcast. <laughs> Whatever, that's that's a that's a that's a knock on myself, my own producing skills. But nevertheless, Sandra, thank you for asking. I'm a fan of Tory Lanez. The brother is talented. I don't like how some of the little some of the ways he tries to get on, like some of the little tactics that he uses to get like attention when it's not about music, like some of that stuff, I'm not a fan of. You know what I mean? But I'm old, you know what I'm saying? Just like, put the song on. That's what I'm all about. I'm not I'm not in for the, the tactics. I'm not in for the social media. You know, that's not me, you know? But I will give the brother credit, man. He is a talented young man. He truly is. And one thing that's lost in the Chicks Tape series, if you guys haven't heard um, the newest Chicks Tape, they, they released it almost as if it's an album. I have no idea how, because every single song is sampled. You know what I mean? I get how you do it on a mixtape. I don't know how you release it on an album, but whatever. I don't care. The joint is dope. I'm a huge fan of the Chick's Tape series. I'm a huge fan of Tory Lanez. But I think what's lost when people start listening to Tory and they talk about the Chick's Tape, um, you know, series. I don't know who produces these songs. It may be Tory Lanez himself. I don't know. But whomever flips these beats, dog, shout out to y'all. I mean that's almost as big of a of of a draw to these series as Tory's vocals and how he flips the lyrics and the courts It just changed songs. The, they flipped the beautiful beat on the on Chick-state Five. That was super dope. The Mario calling out the Yo, a huge fan. Huge fan of Tory Lane's, very talented, and I'm a fan of the Chick State Five. Don't feel like it's the best one. I'm listening to Joe Budden podcast. And Roy jumped out there and said it was his favorite one. Nah, it's dope. And it's way too early to start ranking them. You know, especially ranking number five. You got to let that thing live a little bit. But I enjoy, I enjoyed the music and I enjoyed the project. So, Sandra, thank you. Thank you all to listening. And thanks for all the questions that you guys have sent. Have all who are send in the future or even just considering sending, man. I just appreciate you guys listening to the show. Again, if you want to reach out, again, this is called Stoppage Time. Hit me on Twitter at Quarterly Show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E Show. Email me at QuarterlyReport at gmail.com. Or, and more importantly, head on over to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a review, rate, give me five stars, and comment to me on that uh, platform as well. Anything that you you want to hear more of, maybe some things that you want to hear less of. It's all good. I've got thick skin, man. And I want to hear from you all, man. Make the show as interactive as possible. But in order to do that, I need you. So hit me up on any of those platforms. I truly appreciate it. All right, that's stoppage time. We still have halftime this week and we're bringing back one of my favorite halftime segments. It's where I get to spend some quality time with my daughter as I and you Listen to my daughter to the words of the great scholar, Bill Walton. That's right. It's time for another episode of Bill Walton's Words of Wisdom. It's time now for Bill Walton's Words of Wisdom. Patrick Irwin used to be much better in every aspect of the game. Throw it down, big man. Throw it down. I could smell colors. I could feel sound. Yikes. Why is Scottie Pippen taking the charge? Taking the charge is for people with no game. And that was... Bill Walton's Words of Wisdom. Alright, shout out to my little princess. And shout out to the man, the myth, the legend, Bill Walton. I don't really like college basketball. However, the one thing about this time of the year, outside of the NBA, that I do love, is these late Pac-12 games that, you know, they used to be Thursday, now they're Wednesday sometimes. They just kind of come whenever they, whenever it's random times. But when you stumble upon a game called by Bill Walton, it truly is one of life's great treasures. So shout out to Bill Walton, man, running it back for another season. Again, there are many of you all who do not remember the time where Bill Walton would call like the marquee matchup Sunday nights. Bill Walton used to call the last time the Knicks were in the NBA Finals, which 20 years ago, (laughs) it's really bad. Bill Walton, God bless the dead, Steve Snapper Jones, they were on the call. It's crazy to think that like there are people 20 some odd years old, 30 years probably, who have no recollection of Bill Walton doing the biggest marquee game on NBC. But yo, it really happened. And he wasn't as far gone as he is now, but you can still imagine just how often you would laugh. The folk, yo, if you one of the people who don't like Bill Walton, and the people who like real stiff, I get why people don't like Chris Weber. You understand? I get why people don't like Reggie Miller. I get why people don't like Mark Jackson. Cause on and on and on. Bill Walton? Nah, never. I cannot understand. If you don't like to laugh, while watching basketball, I don't even know what you do. Why do you, yo, what are you doing? Just watch it on mute, for real, because it's not as if we get that much great in-depth inside scoop. Like, I like to laugh, bro. You know what I'm saying? That's what I enjoy doing. And there aren't many people who can make me laugh more than Bill Walton. So shout out to the man, the myth, the legend. People forget he's one of the 50 greatest players of all time bill walton man yo one of my favorite segments not just because i get to chill with my daughter while i do it but also because them joints are hilarious bro they're like super funny but enough about bill walton we still have a whole half to get to we've made our adjustments we made our tweaks to the lineup bro and we're feeling real good about what we have coming up in store for you for the next two quarters so without any further delay we're going to get it going with our third topic this week Third. Thursday night football. I gotta be honest with you. This past week, I didn't watch most of it. I was glued to watching Chris Stops, Porzingis, and the Dallas Mavericks play in New York City, and the Knicks pick up their third one of the season. That's what I was watching Thursday night. But toward the latter, the latter, the end of the game, my phone just started blowing up. Boop boop. Did you see this? Boop boop. And they're like turn it to, to Fox. Look at Thursday Night Football. Miles Garrett lost his mind. They fighting. I was like, all right, man, it's football number one. The to scrap, and When they do scrap, they're just punching helmets. It's the dumbest thing in the world. So I turned to Fox, and they were doing the replay, or ESPN. I forget which channel. And then they, sh- they show it from the beginning. And I see Miles Garrett rip Mason Rudolph's helmet off and then hit him in the head. And I was like, okay, that was dumb. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's dumb. I don't know what you were thinking, buddy. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm thinking when he ripped it off, he was just going to throw it in the stands and kick it. I mean, they won a huge game for Cleveland. Like, they needed to get to that point. They needed that win. So I didn't even think, like, truly. I saw it. I was already geeked up because the Knicks won. Wasn't feeling any way about it. You know? Went to sleep. Boom. Wake up in the morning. Drop my daughter off to school, coming back, you know, doing my thing, doing my morning routine before I get to work. And I'm watching ESPN, and they are making it seem like Miles Garrett committed a crime. Literally. They were saying how Mason Rudolph could pursue legal action. And I was studying, like, yo, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Like, chill the fuck down was literally the only thing that I could think of because it lasted all morning long. I'm talking about analysts, analysts that I like. Lewis Riddick, they watch get up, Greeny, all of the guys. Oh my gosh, this is awful. How dare I can't ever, this has never happened. This is unprecedented. And then of course, Twitter finds uh, an instant of, I forget what the teams were. It was somebody ripped off Richie Incognito's helmet when he played for the Dolphins and they hit him with it. Or swung at him with it. So all the guys who were saying, oh, this is unprecedented, this is this can never happen again. It literally happened a few years ago. And it took Twitter a few hours justifying the exact clip. But I digress. Like the the fake outrage over this was insane to me. Particularly because we're talking about the NFL. The NFL, a sport where you have legit giants, muscle-bound, the biggest humans in the world, some of the biggest humans in the world, fighting each other, trying to bludgeon each other for an hour. Many of these people have come from very, very traumatizing backgrounds, like literally, Many of the players who we idolize and worship in the NFL, I don't think I'm stepping out of bounds when I say this. They have deep-seated, deep-rooted, emotional, um, psychological issues that succeed and that works for them because of the sport that they play. Because this is truly just organized chaos. That's all the NFL is. And when I see so many people, I kid you not, earlier in the exact same game, the exact same game, a player had to be escorted off the field and into the back because he was bleeding from his ear. I will repeat a player had to leave the field of play and go back into wherever part of the stadium the medical staff, you know, operates. Because he got hit and he was bleeding from the ear. He was not bleeding. His earlobe was not bleeding. He did not have a cut on the top of his ear. No. He was bleeding out of his ear. I'm sorry. I don't know how we can just kind of be like, ah, that's football. Into that. And then be like, oh my goodness, Miles Garrett is such a, He's a barbarian. Oh, my gosh, this is so dangerous. Call the call. We should press charges. And this is the worst thing in the football I've ever seen. And how do we do that? How do we get from point A to point B? The same game. Forget the fact that earlier in the season, we saw a player choke another player on the field. Forget the fact that a few years ago, Richie Incognito, was the victim, Richie Incognito, someone who is a jerk, someone who also has suffered from real psychological, emotional issues as well, right? So I'll let you determine how harsh you want to be or how much sympathy you want to give him. But Richie Incognito was the victim of the same thing and nobody even cared. Forget the fact that a few years ago, Greg Hardy, the NFL let him come back into their league After he threw a woman on a bed of guns, choking her, threatening to kill her, so much so that someone in another room in the hotel had to call the police crying, begging for people to come in to save this woman's life. After doing all of that, the NFL allowed him back. I'm sorry. There's so many things that we could be outraged about when it comes to the NFL. So many things that we should be outraged about when it comes to the NFL. And I'm talking about myself here. If you can relate, perfect. I cannot muster up this energy to be so outraged at Miles Garrett and Mason Rudolph. That is nuts to me. I was thinking to myself all day Friday morning, how is this? How are we trying to make this such a big deal? How is this the, the the thing that we want to plant the flag on? Miles Garrett and Mason Rudolph. All of the things that have happened in the league recently. Forget going back way, way, way back. Just recently. This is what we're outraged about? You got to be kidding me. You got to be kidding me. And they just kept on going. So many people. Miles Garrett got suspended for the rest of the season. Possibly playoffs too. And I'm just thinking about. What are we doing right now? I'm not one to to run down and scream on PC culture and outrage culture, because I do think, for the most part, when people are legitimately outraged, it's not because of the one. It's because of a buildup of the same thing happening over and over again and people are now having a voice. But I'm sorry. The NFL has always had a voice. We've always listened to former players That's what we all, most of us devote our entire Sundays to listening to former players. So it's not as if the NFL has not had a voice. If they really cared about certain things, they have plenty platforms to articulate their concerns. But they chose this. And make no mistake, Miles Garrett deserves to be punished. Miles Garrett deserves to be punished. You wanted to spin him for the rest of the season? I'm cool. That was dumb. It was insane. I don't know what he was thinking. The game was over. They just received a huge win. He could do whatever he wanted. He could have punched Mason Rudolph for all I care. He shouldn't have swung a helmet. Boom. That, to me, is the end of the story. The story only continues because the NFL and all the NFL's minions wanted to make this, this huge statement. Oh, look at what's happening. We can't tolerate this. Oh, by the way, if you saw Jason Lacamfora's report just a few days later, the NFL also wants to extend then they're going to propose in a new CBA a seventeen game season. Where each team has to make an international Okay. Like, I don't think that's a coincidence. You can't get so upset that they're making the front that we care so much about player safety. Oh by the way, you guys are gonna to have to do one more of these. And then also fly to another country, putting your body, you know, all that stuff. But whatever, we got you back on this Mal Garrett situation. The whole thing is nasty, all of it. And the fact that so many people just capitulated and just allowed the NFL and this, this talking point to run roughshod, it was obvious this was an overreaction. And I'm looking around thinking, yo, what's going on? What's happening here? I can't be the only one who feels this way. If you and myself included, again, I'm not talking down to anyone. I'm just talking mostly to myself. But as fans of the NFL, we've already made this. We've already signed the agreement. We've already signed the contract. If you are going to be a fan of this organized, chaotic entity that the NFL absolutely is. And if we sign up to be fans of this, we, we kind of make an agreement that we are voluntarily forfeiting the moral ground. You can't look at one thing on the, in the NFL and turn a blind eye to all of the negative and awful things that comes with the NFL with the quote unquote shield. Turn a blind eye to all of it, but then get mad at this Again, Earlier in the same game, a player had to be helped off the field because he was bleeding out of his ear. But we get mad at Miles Garrett hitting Mason Rudolph with the cushy part of his helmet. Huh? Like The fake outrage stuff, Like it just makes everything else so trivial. There are real life things to be outraged over. They're real live things to be furious over as it pertains to the NFL. This is not it. I trust, trust me, pr- I promise you, if you want to be mad, we can sit down and go over countless number of things and issues that we could all be outraged over and probably move the needle to some degree and get some type of work done if we work together. But y'all just want to be mad to be mad. Cause that's nothing to be mad over. My house Garrett, Mason Rudolph, come on. We don't need to waste more than six minutes on that. But the fact that we blew it up so much, I'm, I'm sitting back just thinking, how? How did that become this huge explosion of, People being irate and waving their finger and talking down. And oh my gosh, player safety. Oh, by the way, we want you guys to play one more game. All of it is nuts. All of it is nuts. And I was sitting down Friday and this weekend speechless because it kept on going until the next big thing happened. Everybody was still mad at Miles Garrett. The suspension came down and then Colin Kaepernick happened and it all just kind of magically disappeared. And that's how everything moves now, man. And we, if we don't, if we don't scream at the top of our lungs and say, "Yo, we're smarter than this," they'll keep on forcing it down our mouths. If you want to be mad at something, trust there are plenty of things to be mad at. This is not it. I'd love to hear what you guys think about this. Email me quarterly report at gmail.com tweet at me quarterly show that's q-u-a-r-t-e-r-l-e-e show bro we deserve so much more but we gotta we we have i tell my daughter this all the time closed mouths don't get fed if we're just going to take what they give us and just be satisfied then i'll shut up no i won't i'm not going to shut up i'm going to keep on demanding better but i gotta feel like if you listen to this podcast you kind of gotta agree with me on that That's not saying you got to agree with me on everything because I don't want that. I don't want a uniform. I don't want people just to agree with everything I say. No, that's not it. But this particular overall overreaching overall topic that in sports, like just getting mad just at the sick of getting mad when there are actually real things to be mad about that always gets thrown out and dismissed. Nah, man, stop that. Let's stop that right now. All right, guys, three quarters are in the books. Y'all so know what that means. We have one quarter left, and we're going to finish up strong with actually one of the, in my opinion, most interesting sports figures in recent years. Showtime did a documentary that I saw on Friday about a former heavyweight champion who many of you may not know, despite the fact that you've all probably seen him, and one of the more iconic photos in the 20th century. So our fourth topic. Fourth quarter. If you know anything about me, you know that I am a boxing fan. I've loved boxing since I was a little boy. It's my second favorite sport. And I find that boxing exists in this small kind of corner of the world in terms of sports fandom. Yet they produce some of the most fascinating and interesting subjects, characters, time and time again. No matter how you feel about boxing, we pretty much all have some feeling toward Mike Tyson. No matter if you've ever seen him fight, and most of us, if you're listening to this podcast, unless it's an old DVD or ESPN classics, we all have a feeling, some way, shape, or form, about the late, great Muhammad Ali, Prince Nassim Muhammad, Roy Jones Jr. Floyd Mayweather, Gennady Golovkin, Pernell Whitaker, Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Durant. No mas is a part of the everyday lexicon that comes from a fight. You could go on and on and on. Buster Douglas, Evander Holyfield, right? Arturo Gotti, God bless the dead. Just down the line of just fascinating characters. Fascinating people. I don't even want to call them characters, right? Fascinating people. That come from a sport that the mainstream media often turns a back, turns a blind eye toward. It's not a coincidence that Rocky is one of the more iconic uh, properties of. and and film, whatever you want to call it, right? Movie series in our society. Because no matter how much or how little the people who like to talk about sports actually know about the sport, there is some type of connective tissue between the fighters and our psyche. And I think one of the, the best examples of it Many of you probably don't know who Sonny Liston is. Many of you probably don't know the name. Although I think quite a, I mean, if you're a sports fan, I do believe, depending on where you're from, quite a bit of you probably do. But we've all seen the picture, the phantom punch, the cheekbone punch, where Muhammad Ali, or at the time, a young Cassius Clay. Well, actually, I think he was Muhammad Ali at that point. He is standing over the former... World heavyweight champion, the champion that was menacing, that dominated Floyd Patterson two different times. The man who was looked upon as the baddest man on the planet and the scariest man on the planet who had legit ties to the mob. A young Muhammad Ali standing over him. A lifeless body. And there are so many conspiracy theories about uh, Ali listening to Clay Liston. One, there's so many. I've always found myself in in this era where there's so many um, reboots and retreads and recycled ideas that no one has gone out and be like, "Yo, this Sunny Liston stuff. This stuff is fascinating." When I was a little boy, little, I'm talking about maybe ten. I read a I read a, a book about Sunny Liston. In fact, actually, it was about Cassius Clay. And then later on, I read a book more on Sunny Liston because the book on Cassius Clay at the time was, it had a, a a blurb on the Liston thing. And I was like, yo, this guy doesn't know his age. I, I remember running to tell my father, it's like, Sunny Liston. He's like, yeah, Sonny Liston, what about him? It's like, they don't know how old he was. They're like, I'm a little boy at this time. I, you know, I don't know about early 1900s, Arkansas, you know what I'm saying? LAO, like, they wrote his name or his, his birth date on a tree. The tree got cut down. No one knows how old he was. My dad was like, yeah, that's kind of what happened early 1900s after, you know, slavery. And You can imagine a young boy who loves sports, definitely loves boxing, kind of putting that together like that to me was eye-opening. Imagine how I felt when they when when I found out how he died. Imagine how I felt, especially, again, if you listen to this podcast, I kind of lend, I kind of, I don't want to say I'm a conspiracy theorist, but, you know, I'll take a look. The idea that the first fight was fixed, Sunny enlisted at that time, dominant, unbeatable, un- couldn't even fathom a young heavyweight who ran his mouth all the time, could make... The champ quit in this corner. Then the second one, the quote unquote phantom punch where the ref didn't know what the hell it was. I'm talking to all of these extenuating circumstances, all of these ideas, all of these theories. The one time dominant champ ultimately becomes just a drug dealer in Vegas who then ultimately dies over an overdose with question marks all around him. I've been fascinated with Sonny Liston since I was a little boy, spanning over two decades now. This is not hyperbole. True. So you could imagine how excited I was when the documentary Pariah debuted on Showtime, I want to say this past Friday. I'm not going to be too critical of it. You know, as someone who is becoming more and more involved in documentaries and and shit, like, you know, I, I definitely want to give credit and respect where it's due without being too harsh. In fact, I'm not going to be harsh, I don't believe, at all. I will say this. If you guys haven't, and if it, it, you don't even have to be a boxing fan, man. But again, some of the more intri- intriguing, interesting figures, I man, it really goes without saying. There have been some, I mean, so many fascinating lives that are just out there that we just, you know, we look over. And while I think that there is, uh, there was some ways that this documentary could have been improved, I knew a lot of the stuff early on that they were talking about. I felt like the Pariah documentary, where it failed, was actually hammering home on the gold that they had. They had sit-down interviews with Sonny Liston's niece. I've never heard of her. They had one of the the central figures in many conspiracy theories on the death of Sonny Liston. I forget the officer's name, but a quote-unquote heroic cop who ultimately did him in. Because as theory has it, you know, Sonny Liston died over a heroin overdose, right? But anyone who has taught or knew Sonny Liston and it will talk about it like consistently steadfast. He was afraid of needles, but he died with o- ODN with the, you know, syringe, and, you know, with her on. So it's like, yo, that couldn't have happened. Right. And then because of that and because of the mysterious ways that his, in which his body was found, the, the time lapse between when his wife saw his body and when she made the nine one one phone call. There's so many holes, if you will, that it doesn't smell right. Something happened and we have no idea. Quick aside, the 60s were nuts. I know I said it earlier in the show. Slim, the 60s were fucking nuts. The heavyweight champ, former heavyweight champion of the world gets busted on a drug deal. Dies months later. Works for the mob. And the two losses that he has early in his career to Ali and Clay are clouded with mystery. Again, I, I, as someone who works in news, man, but his true love is sports. I just sports has this way of connecting and tying so much into our everyday life. Sports is a way; it's the only place. And, and, and this is—I'm going to finish up soon. But in this past week, think about the things that has dominated the headlines. You have figures like Colin Kaepernick who address true life, real life issues that go beyond sports, even even through his punishment and blackballing. There is, there is a story there that far too many individuals can relate to. The 60s would just at, name the adjective, put the adjective here, however you want to describe it. Just fucking nuts. And one one of the many ways that you can kind of illustrate just how chaotic that time period was, was Iston. You know what I mean? I don't know if there's another figure. And maybe, maybe I'm ODing right now and I'm not thinking this through, but such a unique story in his life, in his dominance, and definitely in his death. You know what I'm saying? We we, we go the, the NFL, and, and we can talk about domestic violence, health, uh, big corporations. However, you want to break it down. Sports has a way that, in my opinion. No other entity, nothing else in our society can really tap into so much of what we do the way sports does. And and as a fan and as someone who's always been curious of Sonny Liston, watching this documentary, man, despite the fact that I, I think it could have been significantly better if you are a boxing fan or if you're just someone who's interested in interesting figures, I couldn't recommend. Let me chill out on that. I would recommend watching the highlights, right? If you enjoy documentaries, again, the production quality does leave some room for growth, some things to be desired. But if you are interested in interesting people, I would recommend, recommend this documentary or any doc or book that you could find on Sunny listen because for so many people who do not know his story, We have seen and heard of Sonny Liston so much. And to be fair, there is no Muhammad Ali, not to the the degree that he became, right? The launching pad to the icon that was Muhammad Ali, God bless the dead, does not happen without Sonny Liston. So whether you're a boxing fan, a sports fan, um, a history buff, or someone who just wants... You know, something good to watch. Man, do yourself a favor, man, and, and, and dig into Sunny listing, Whether it's Pariah, the, the new documentary, the on Showtime, or something else. Because watching that documentary, despite its flaws, it just reignited my desire to learn more about someone who I've been studying, if you will, since I was a little boy. All right, guys, that is my time this week. Hopefully you enjoyed. This episode of the Quarterly Report. I want to thank each and every one of you. I want to thank you all who sits in uh, stoppage time questions. Remember, you guys can get involved with the show. Email me at quarterlyreport@gmail.com. At Tweet at me, Quarterly Show, Q U A R T E R L E E Show, or, and more important, actually, head on over to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Podknife, wherever you listen, iHeartMedia, wherever you listen to podcasts, bro. Head on over to whichever platform you choose. Search the show, The Quarterly Report. Again, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R hyphen L-E-E report. Give me five stars, but also give me a review. Let me know. Let your friends know. Let the world know why you love The Quarterly Report. In my humble opinion, the best sports podcast out. Once again, guys, I want to thank you so much. We'll be back here next Tuesday with another episode of the Quarterly Report.